Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts. Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. They hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it! Here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Good to be with you. I'm Matt Taylor, with you until 7 o'clock tonight. And on tonight's show, we're talking about the Colts win last Thursday. Seems like a long time ago, but the Colts were victorious last time out against the Broncos. And we'll also talk big picture on the season now that the Colts are five games in, basically a quarter of the way through a 17-game regular season schedule. So the Colts are now 2-2-1 and after that 12-9 overtime all-field goals win over the Broncos on Thursday night football. It was the first NFL game this season without at least one touchdown of any kind. And according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the seven field goals were an NFL record in a game in which both teams scored only by field goals. So the game was also the 12th in Colts history when they won without a touchdown. The most recent occurrence before Thursday came in the 2006 playoffs for the Colts en route to their Super Bowl championship. It was a 15-6 win over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Divisional Round. We all know how ugly of a game it was. Zero touchdowns, seven field goals, 12 punts, 0 for 6 efficiency inside the red zone by both teams, 6 for 32 on conversions on third and fourth down, six fumbles, four picks, 10 sacks. But the Colts won a grinder of a game, and they currently sit in second place in the AFC South heading into week six. That's because the Jaguars lost at home to the Texans on Sunday. So every team in the AFC South now has a win, and the Titans were victorious for the third straight week. They beat the Commanders, giving them sole possession of first place in the division after five games. Coming up, we'll recap the game in the first five weeks of the season in more depth with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. They'll join me starting on the next segment, and we're taking your questions later in the show, as we always do. If you have a question or thought on the Colts, tweet it in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll start to use those questions now as the head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, is here with us on segment number one, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Coach, you've had the weekend to think about the game from last Thursday night. Very big win for the Colts. But how has that game resonated with you four days later as we sit here and talk now? Yeah, it still resonates well. Any, anytime you can get a win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really love the way the defense is playing special teams. You know, offensively, obviously, it wasn't like a, a productive or a good outing. It was a poor outing. But we did make the plays needed. Uh, you know, I have to keep reminding myself we played good enough to win in all three phases. So, but – you know, we, we, you know, and we know that the improvements that need to come need to come on the offensive side, and primarily, right. you know, we got to get that ball in the end zone. Looking back on it a little bit, how how tough was it to play on Thursday night? It's a, it's a short week, plus you travel, you know, two thirds away across the country. You were banged up; they were banged up. Was that a big reason why the game looked a little bit uneven on on both sidelines in that game? I don't know. As a coach, you never want to look for an excuse like that. I mean, short week, it doesn't matter if you're banged up or not. you got to find a way to play winning football. Right. And so I think that's the way most coaches look at it. No doubt about that. All right, you decided to make a lot of changes on the offensive line going into that game. 
you know, it's been well chronicled, change at left tackle, change at right guard. You know, you had to make a change at center because Ryan Kelly got banged up. What went into those decisions going into the game? You know, how do we get the best five on the field and, and, and looking for a spark? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we put Braden down at right guard, you know, Braden's such a powerhouse in the run game. Um, he, he's like an A-plus run blocker. So you thought, hey, we get, you know, there's three guys inside, mm-hmm. you know, might, be, might provide a spark in the run game. It's also going to firm the pocket up in the middle. Um, you know, you got to give a little extra help to the tackles, mm-hmm. but um, you know, felt like prior at right tackle was a natural position for him. So thought we could, thought that was the right right move. It's a, it, I know it's a short sample size, but but was it enough to get a good sense of how that went, how that combination uh, looks going forward? Yeah, I think we learned some things, you know, and we'll have to evaluate it here as the week goes on here um, in the next day or two. Do we want to leave it mm-hmm. as is and, and build on it? That that would be nice, you know, because you want to build the continuity. Or do we need to look at another change? So, or, or tweak. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll evaluate that here. Yeah, you brought up the defense. Um, it, it's just responded so well in the second halves of these games here lately. You've allowed just six points in the second half of the last three games combined. How how proud are you of the defense here as we reach, uh, you know, game five or a quarter of the season in? Yeah, that's good football. And, uh, you know, real credit to the players, real credit to Gus and the staff, you know, for, um, you know, just putting together plans and being able to make whatever adjustments needed. And, mm-hmm. you, know, gu- you know, Gus and the play calling of it, you know, in the second half and getting a feel for the flow of the game. And then obviously the players, it's all about the players making the plays and they're doing a great job. All right, last one for me, um, and this is, again, going back to Thursday. It's a short week, two games in five days. You basically play nine quarters of football in, in a five-day stretch there. How much do the guys need this weekend off to sort of refresh, but then also, you know, recognize that it's only going into week six, but you factor in training camp and the preseason. It's already been a grind to this point here in the season. No, it has, but and it was a good timing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we like when you look at this at the beginning of the year, you say, hey, this is a little mini buy. Yeah. Especially, like you said, Matt, we, you know, play an overtime game. But um, I felt like the guys walked back in the building this week are, are refreshed and ready to go. All right, let's go to the fan questions. If you have a, a question for head coach Frank Reich, you can always tweet it in using hashtag Colts Roundtable here tonight and every Monday night. Let's go to Phil. Coach, he's asking, what are the underlying issues of our offensive line? We talked about that a little bit already, but he's also asking, are any of the sacks attributed to the quarterback in terms of recognition at the line of scrimmage or blitz pickup or things like that well I think the biggest thing that they're attributed to is you know we got to I keep saying this but it's the truth is we're, we're behind the sticks all the time so second along third along so we got to do a better job there um, as far as who they're attributed to mm-hmm. like most teams you know when, when you have a number of sacks it's it takes it's everybody so um, I believe we're I believe we're going to get it turned around um, I believe we're you know we got to, but that's going to start with us finding better rhythm on first and second down. All right, Fred is up next. Based on what we saw in Denver, is our defense close to being dominant and suffocating? I mean, I think it already is. Yeah, it's close. I mean, we're we're it's close, but you're never there, right? I mean, you know, we we have a saying around in here: "Say, hey, do you got it? No, you don't have it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because just when you think you got it, you don't have it, right? We've all experienced that. So uh, the defense is playing very well. Uh, we need to continue to improve. Kyle is up next uh, for Coach Reich. Is Chase McLaughlin's Denver performance repeatable? Can he be that consistent the rest of the season? That's what we're hopeful. I mean, you know, I mean, he's really looked good. Um, Chase is, and in particular, he's he's always 
I would say Chase's strength, even when you go back to when he was here before in the kind of kicking competitions, mm -hmm. he has a really good knack on the longer field goals. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he just has a lot of confidence and has good execution on those. So yeah. uh, great by him. Yeah, he's 11 for 13 over 50 for his career, including three for four this year. Yeah. All right, Pat is up next. Are the next two games must-win games for the Colts? I know you how you love those must-win games, but uh, considering we're winless in the division so far and the AFC South looks to be, in his words, schizophrenic on a week-to-week -week basis. I mean, we don't like to we, – we know every – okay, you, you, you either got to say one or two things. Right. You either got to say every win is a must-win game. <laughs> I mean, every game is a must-win game or – or you know, it's right. week to week. Yeah. Or like my old coach Marv Levy used to say, the only must win was World War II. <laughs> WW2. Two. WW2. <laughs> um, so somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Hey, we recognize that how important this game is. We recognize where we are in a division. We recognize what our record is mm -hmm. in our division. So nothing more needs to be said. It's right. a big game. Yeah, good answer. All right, last one from Tanner, and this is a good one to wrap up on because Jacksonville is next. Uh, is asking, where did Jacksonville beat us the most three weeks ago, and how have we shored those areas up going into the game? They stopped our run game. They put good pressure on us. You know, when we threw it, um, when they were on offense, they dinked and dunked us all the way up and down the field. So, um, and they didn't – the one thing we did probably well on defense versus them, we played the run fairly well. So, mm -hmm. um yeah, there's a lot to improve on from that first outing, and I believe we'll play better. No doubt about that. That's Coach Frank Reich on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Coach, always appreciate the time on a Monday. Again, congrats on the win last Thursday, week five, going into week six with the Jaguars, and have a good week of preparation. Thanks, Matt. That's our weekly sit-down with head coach Frank Reich on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, where you can save on monthly bills when you can serve water and your energy. For money-saving tips, always visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we'll dive into Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. The former Colts will join me on the next segment, get their tail of the tape after the Colts win over the Broncos, and we'll also discuss the first five games of the season so far, the good and the bad, and what needs to happen on Sunday this weekend when the Colts take on the Jacksonville Jaguars round two at Lucas Oil Stadium. We're back for that in just a moment. Stay with us on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back again. Colts Roundtable Live is on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's always brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. It's also brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Pick 6, and it's free to play all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win great Colts prizes. Must be 21 or older to play. I know these fellas are 21 and up. It's time now to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Joe, how was your weekend, man? Good to talk to you again. It was great. It was uh, nice to get a little mini-buy, I think, for everybody. I always enjoyed that as a player, yep. and I think for you and Coach especially, kind of reset, and now you get to go on a stretch run here till the actual real buy. But it was good. Got to enjoy some college football and uh, some third grade Our Lady Mount Carmel football. The Raiders rolled to 5-0, and which Attaboy. was a great, great accomplishment. So, um, yeah, life is good here, brother. No doubt about it. All right, we normally, Rick, start off with a segment called Tale of the Tape. It's a look back at the latest game, but with the Colts playing last Thursday and 
you know, a lot has transpired between then and now. Everybody kind of knows the gist of the game. Sort of that first quarter of the season as well. We're five games in. Uh, the Denver win lumped in there. 12-9 to overtime win for the Colts last Thursday night. Give me the good. Give me the bad on this team through a quarter of the season on your tail of the tape, Rick. Yeah, my, my book really at this point has two chapters, and I think it was really enhanced by Thursday night. First of all, you know, I really the first chapter is I'm really elated with the win and that we fought back to 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I, I, I'm very elated about that, the way we started the season. Uh, I think Joe's done it. I have never done it. I have never done a Thursday night on the road. My God, is that difficult. That is really a chore. And so when you come out alive on that Thursday night and you get that win, it's really huge and really kind of defined the first five weeks. I, I, I think, again, it, it was defined in the game itself in that I'm elated at, you know, the way the defense is capable of playing. I mean, you know, obviously hold a team, no touchdowns, uh, two for 12 on third down, and the biggest stat of all is 0 for 4 in the red zone, uh, having to give up a point in the fourth quarter uh, or the overtime. I mean, these are great signs for our defense. Special teams, again, are special. Uh, obviously, the kicking game, you know, we get two guys in midstream, uh, McLaughlin and Hawk, they play outstanding. Uh, you know, obviously, what can you say about Mac? Uh, you know, scoring all our points, but Hawk has kicked really well, and we've really, really gone down and covered covered Washington, who's a great player. Um, you know, Stu had the big block of the field goal. So, you know, those two things, my chapter one is I'm really elated, and I really believe you can play, you know, top-tier football. Uh, I have to say, though, that chapter two is really – I just – the way we're playing with the putrid statistics. Now, I know there are some, there are some positives because we've got some young kids coming on. Ryan does play good in the fourth quarter. I mean, there, there are a few things to hang your hat on. But overall, you know, it's record-setting negative performances, sacks, fumbles, interceptions, 13-8, lack of scoring, um, you know, minus six in turnover ratios. Those, see, winning that way is not sustainable. You're not going to play the Denver's who, you know, aren't very good on, on offense and had the worst, you know, game management I think I've seen this season in that ball game. And so, you know, and, until we get that shored up, and we're going to talk about our, our conferences later, but until we get that shored up, that winning that, this way is not sustainable. Yeah, and, and to piggyback off, Coach, I do agree. Those Thursday night games are really hard. And, Coach, your point about a road Thursday night game is even harder. You know, one of the things I was most proud of in our tenure, we won four straight division road games from 2012 to 2015 on Thursday night, right? And those are just hard to get up for. The home team has a huge advantage. So credit to our guys. They go to overtime in the altitude. But I felt like we were the tougher team mentally down the stretch, which is a huge positive. But to your point, Coach, when I look at our season overall through the first five games, the word I would say is upside down. You know, on paper, we were underdogs in two games. You know, per Vegas, Denver and the Chiefs, we beat mm -hmm. both of them. We were favorites in two games. You know, Tennessee and Jacksonville lost both those in the game. We were the biggest favorite, and we tied week one down in Houston. So the fact you're 2-2-1, two, two, and one, I think it's good you fought back to even. 
I do think that these next couple games, these division games are huge. But to Coach's point, when you think about the Indianapolis Colts historically, what do you think about the offense putting up numbers and the defense just trying to keep them under 24 to 30 to do it? It's almost like things have been flipped here. I feel like we've really played championship-level defense against Kansas City. We got out to a rough start against Tennessee, but we gave them two very short fields. And I mean, to hold the Broncos to nine points in overtime and extra possession, Russell Wilson, I know he's struggling, but we're, we're playing some really, really high level defense. And I think our special teams have stabilized. Credit to Bubba Ventrone, new kicker, new punter, completely new operation. And they're back to playing at a high level. But offensively, we got to get going. And I think there's potential there. To Coach's point, we got some guys coming. We won that game without Taylor. I thought there were some better rush lanes against Denver. There were some more opportunities. I think Taylor might have been able to break one or two of those that the other guys didn't. But it, it all comes down to protection, turning the ball over, protecting the ball. And I think, to me, you know, the play calling in terms of Matt Ryan seems to do best with his urgency. You know, and I wonder if we won't see some more maybe no huddle, two-minute type stuff from him because it seems like that's where he's really thrived so far through these first five games. All right, that's Joe Wright, Rick Venturi along as well. Hey, the Colts had a couple of takeaways last Thursday night. They had two picks, one by Rodney Thomas and the other by Stephon Gilmore. That means Colts fans can score a free appetizer tonight at B-Dubs through this Wednesday at participating Indianapolis locations. See Colts.com slash BWW for details. That's the tale of the tape and a look back at Thursday against the Broncos here on Colts Roundtable Live. When we come back, we're breaking out. We're going to have some fun. We're going to break out the progress reports. Now that we're a quarter of the way through the uh, NFL season, what would your teacher say at the parent-teacher meeting about the Colts after five games? Or in this case, you've got coaches and players in the conference there after five weeks with the progress reports. We'll talk about that when we come back on Colts Roundtable Live. Is it cheesy? Absolutely it's cheesy, but we're coming back with that here in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back again on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. The show tonight is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor. Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi, the former Colts, are along with you until 7 o'clock tonight. And, fellas, I, I sat down uh, last night and was trying to think about how we can talk about this season, how we can frame it up after five weeks. And uh, I don't know, I think being married to a school teacher sort of had this pop into my brain. So at this point in, in every school year, you've got parent-teacher conferences. Usually those come in October, about halfway through that first semester. So the Colts are five weeks into the season, Rick, and progress reports are due. What would the parent-teacher or in this case, the coach-player conference sound like in these following areas. And you talked about the offense through five games, 13.8 points per game, dead last. They failed to score at least 20 points in seven straight games dating back to last year. Last Thursday, week five marked the second time this season the Colts failed to score a touchdown in a game, and they only have one rushing touchdown on the season despite having Jonathan Taylor healthy for four of those five games, Rick. So the Colts offense after five games, what does what does the parent-teacher conference sound? How does the player-coach uh, conference sound here at the progress report time? 
Well, I think the first thing I would do as the teacher, I'd bring the whole <laughs> offense in, and I would send them to the principal. <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would start up the conference with saying because I do believe you always have to have a positive ending. I'll have a positive beginning. There you go. Um, you know, I I do think that we ran the ball. I think Joe made a good point. We did open some lanes, and credit to those two kids. Uh, Jackson and Lindsey, my God, they ran possessed. And to get 106 against that team, you know, was pretty good. So that's a little bit better. Our blitz pickup the last two weeks is better. And we do play in the fourth quarter. You know, the guy does, he can forget his uh, his negatives. And so, and then we have emerging players. I mean, you saw Pierce. I mean, he. he I'm going to date myself, but he did his best Raymond Berry Sunday. Uh, we've got emerging tight ends. Uh, you know, Campbell made people miss at the end, as did Granson. I mean, those young kids are making plays. Now, the thing that I'm going to instruct them on, here's here's my ending, though. I'm, I want them to think about this. First of all, we still have to figure out a much better way to move it against double sync. I feel like our staff is a year behind. This is the defense. I did the I did the Carmel Grinder game, sixth grade game, Saturday night, uh, and <laughs> Carmel played double sync the whole night. I mean, it's it's a defense that everybody is playing. It's the 2022 team, and we still we 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 dented it a little bit with direct runs. But we got to figure out how to gap block and get off tackle, how to lead up in there. I, like I said, I feel like we're a year behind. And if we don't get the running game going, we're going to have more of the same. I think we have to make up our mind on the offensive line. I'm pretty good with what we did, with the exception I would have had prior at right guard. There is nothing in this world that tells us prior can play on the edge. He's just not a good enough athlete, but he's a grinder. So you leave Braden out there. Go with the young kid, but help him. With Braden at right tackle, you don't have to help both tackles. So you got to help him. That's a huge mistake. You can't go into a game with a rookie in the venue that you play in against the great edge guys, and you're going to get them every week and not help him consistently, not every once in a while. And then, you know, once you settle on this unit, you have to stay with it because Joe can tell you better than anybody – Picking up stunts and things like that is it's a feel for one another. I mean, we missed a text game late in the game, but you know, Braden and Pryor haven't really played together, so you have to you have to get it together, work it, play it together. Again, help where needed in protection. And and I think you take the gloves off, honestly. I I don't think you know, we got all pros playing like Walmart parking lot guys. I mean, and I'd let them know it. I would challenge them. I'm tired. Take the gloves off. Take the gloves off with the quarterback. Yes, he plays good in the fourth quarter, but but he turns the ball over like a slot machine. He coughs it up like a slot machine, whether it's interceptions or fumbles. And really, if we're going to win, if we're going to make a run, and Joe's exactly right, the season pivots on the next two weeks, mm -hmm. those things got to be cleaned up. Yeah, I would agree. And, and for the parent-teacher conference, and I got some kids like this, you go into the conference, and it's like, well, you know, little I'm, – I'm not going to use my kids' names, right? Little Bobby or you got, Susie you got six or Johnny. Of them. It says, hey, they, they got a lot of potential. They're focused some of the time, but some of the time they're just out in left field and they're not living up to their full potential. That's how I feel like this Colts offense is. Again, to Coach's point, we got guys. We, have, you know, Matt Ryan's a former NFL MVP. We got some emerging guys. Jonathan Taylor, I think if anybody's drafting a running back, they're drafting him, but we haven't figured it out yet. And why is that? To me, the word that comes to me is urgency. Because when we need to, when the chips are on the line, we, we played. 
And we've delivered in the fourth quarter. We delivered down in, in Houston, you know, with that 20-point fourth quarter. We delivered against Denver when we needed a drive before half, before the end of the game, in overtime, against Kansas City, a game you had to have when your back's against the wall. But why aren't we delivering from day one? Why aren't we coming out from the snap? And to me, that's an attitude. That's a mentality. That's an urgency that, guess what? We're going to go out and kick your you-know-what. We're not going to wait till we get down 14. And that's on the quarterback. That's on the offensive line and those leaders, Nelson, Kelly, and Smith, to lead that charge and say, hey, enough's enough, and we're coming out, and we're going to punch first, and we're going to punch again, and we're going to keep punching. And if we do that, we can beat Jacksonville at home, certainly. We can win down in Tennessee where we've had success, and you can get back and have control of this division. But eventually, if you keep waiting and waiting like you do, it didn't burn us against Denver, but it burned us against Tennessee, right? And you can't, you can't keep waiting because then you have no margin for error. So to me, it's about – we're not fulfilling our full potential, little Johnny, Susie, Bobby, and it's because we need more <laughs> urgency. We need more mental intensity, focus, whatever you want to call it from day one. And then to Coach's point, too, I think, you know, from a play-calling perspective, I wouldn't mind seeing no huddle, two-minute up-tempo. you got a smart quarterback. He's seen every defense. we got smart offensive linemen. You know, by huddling every time and letting the defense set, you know, sometimes when you can put them back on your heels, I know historically teams I was on, I always liked that two-minute no huddle because an offensive line – you get that first or second first down, the D-line's tired. And guess what? Now Chubb back there, he ain't pinning his ears back with a minute rest in between every snap. He doesn't have the same get-go off the snap because I tell you what, a lot of teams are giving us five-on-five -five offensive rush, right, one-on-one, -on -one, and that's hard to do when they have their ears pinned back and rushing after them. So how can we gain some advantages in a play-calling perspective? I'll be interested. I'm sure there's a lot of self-scout with as many buying the coaching staff. What do we come out with against Jacksonville on Sunday? That's Joe Wright's Rick Venturi along. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Colts Roundtable live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We're at the uh, week five point heading into week six mark of the NFL regular season. If you have kids, this is your segment because you know all about the parent-teacher conferences. That's what we're uh, going through here, these hypothetical situations with the Colts. So conference number two, stay right there, Joe. Matt Ryan through five games. He's been polarizing because he's led the Colts, you know, within at least one score of the lead four times in the final quarter. But he's also played a role in allowing the Colts to fall behind in the first three quarters. You know, last Thursday, you know, two clutch drives at the end uh, with some field goals, his 44th career fourth quarter or uh, overtime comeback. That's now tied for sixth most in NFL history. But uh, seven picks, he's fumbled 11 times. That's the most by a player through five games since the NFL began tracking the stats. So, Joe, Matt Ryan's overall play through five games, how does that conference sound between the coaching staff and him in this case? This conference to me is one that's a direct one and it's collaborative. It says, hey, I'm the teacher, but you're the student, but you're a darn good student. You played 15 years in the NFL. What's gone right for you? What do you like? What do we need to do better? What do you need to do better? And just lay it all out on the table because Matt Ryan's a guy, you know, that's played at a high, high level. But you're in a new city, you're in a new system, and sometimes that's not as easy as you think just to pick up, right, and leave something you did for 15 years, even though you're playing the same game. But to me, you know, Ryan has performed when he's needed to, 
But early in the games, that slow start, to me, something's got to change. And that's why, to me, you know, go no huddle. Go two-minute. Try something different, right? Try to keep them off their, on their heels and, and do something different with the quarterback. But to me, Matt Ryan is too good of a quarterback to have 11 fumbles, to take the sacks, especially some of the sacks, to take us out of field goal range, to throw the interception. You know, I rewatched the tape several times that first interception that, you know, that was just a bad play. We got to take care of the football because bottom line, you know, the three stats I look at offensively, Turnover, we're 28th, minus six. Third down, we're 24th. And red zone, we're 28th. And to Coach's point, you can win some games here and there, but you can't win long-term sustainable with that production on offense. Yeah, the first thing I'm going to do, uh, you know, the parent-teacher conference is I'm going to say, Maddie, let's look at this thing from your strengths and your weaknesses. Okay, right now your biggest strength is you do have that Matty Ice still. You can forget. You you have the ability to forget the selective amnesia, and you tend to play your very best in the first, in the fourth quarter, in the overtime. Despite not scoring a touchdown after doing nothing all day, we did have two drives. Now they were hard fought again. And remember, against a terrific defense, you had two very very good drives right. in which you played exceptionally well. I mean, he had to throw out of the tunnel. He had to make some throws. Our receivers, I said, look at these young kids coming on. I mean, Pierce was terrific. Uh, Campbell made a guy miss. Granson made a guy miss. Jackson made guys miss. I mean, there were a lot of good plays that you're playing with. But you know what? It's like me being at Hoosier Park, you know, shooting crap. Seven come 11, okay? Those are two numbers to remember. That is, that's seven interceptions, most, and a lot of them are on you. I mean, the two Sunday, really, or Thursday night, were totally on him. And I'm going to say, Matt, you've got to quit looking it in. Two things are happening to him, and I think you see this, Joe. He is really looking the ball in. The two interceptions by Stearns really were because he's looking it in. And then a lot of those knockdowns, a lot of those knockdowns you can't help but in many cases, it's because the quarterback is looking it in and the rusher stops and puts his hands up. That's number one in terms of the interception. And then this is so critical, the 11. The 11 fumbles, I think he's lost five, isn't it? It's, 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 I think it's, it's three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both of these are. The 11 fumbles and the seven picks are a record set. I mean, since mm-hmm. they've, they've had the statistics. He cannot cough the ball up every time he gets hit. I'm just I'm chewing him out on that. You know, you can when you gotta know when to fold him. When that pocket is collapsed and there's no place to go and there's no place to step, secure the football. It's coming out too easy all the time. And my thing to him is, you know, take care of the ball early. What's getting us into trouble is a lot of these mishaps are happening early in the game. And even though you're playing well in the fourth quarter, but the bad news is you're really bailing yourself out of these things, your own misfires. If we just ball secure, and I think what you have to sell him on when he leaves is this may be the best defense that he's played with and by far the best special teams. Mm-hmm. So make the plays when they're there. You know, don't, don't try to force it or, you know, again, know when to fold them, especially early in the game. And I'm with Joe. From an overall standpoint, let's get going quick. I thought on the other side of it, we'll talk about that, I thought Gus did a really good job 
of changing the venue this week and playing differently in the first quarter to get our defense jump started. Same thing on offense, you know, if it's no huddle. The other thing we're not exploiting, and this, you know, I've played a lot of that double sink. I'll tell you what's hard to stop in double sink because you got those big edge rushers is the screen game. We've got to run still some not screens. Exploiting. And I don't mean wide receivers. I mean, get it out to our backs who can make a big play. But the biggest thing for us to change this right now is ball security. No doubt about that. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. Again, I'm Matt Taylor, Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Let's go quickly on on conference number three, Joe, and and let's talk about the positive because the Colts on defense – They've been great in the second half. Now, I know they're giving up about 17 a game, which is middle of the pack, but they've been elite past halftime. They've allowed a total of just six points in the last three second halves, and they've allowed opponents to convert just two for 21 third down in the fourth quarter and overtime of games. So the Colts are the only team so far, as Rick said, that has not allowed a point in the fourth quarter or overtime of a game all season. They're plus 27 in the fourth quarter. That's number two in the NFL so far through five games. So the Colts' defense through five games, you've got kids, Joe. As you said, you've had good conferences. You've had bad conferences. This, I think, would be a good overall conference and and a progress report as the parent and teacher get together after five weeks. No doubt. This is one where the teacher's happy to share how good your kid is doing, and I think our defense is is, they're really, really playing at a high level. To me, the message here, though, is simple. Let's not let good be in the way of getting great, right? Good is the enemy of great. I think sometimes it's easy to say, well, you're doing a really nice job and you let your guard down. Uh Uh-uh. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing higher. I mean, what they did in Denver, 2 of 14 on third down, holding them. We're eighth overall in the NFL on third down, which is good. We're getting off the field. I mean, Gilmore, you know, unbelievable signing there. I mean, he should be AFC Defensive Player of the Week. I mean, he, he won the game there in the fourth quarter. So, to me, the message is, hey, fellas, we're doing a really good job, but no time to rest. we got to build on this, and if we got to carry ourselves and we got to win games 12-9, to 9, we'll win games 12-9. to 9, But kudos to the defense. Great job. Let's build on this and let's get even better yeah you know I'm gonna I'm gonna commend them and I'm gonna make a point here I think the two games that we've really come out on fire in the first quarter and actually there is a tactical change there was a lot more change up maybe that's because McLeod now is at strong safety and you can do more we blitzed on the first two series of the game which we haven't been doing that we did similar thing in Kansas City it's ironic that that uh that Gus, who comes from the AFC West for a long time, actually has had, you know, two really good games. I mean, we're leading the division in the AFC West. What we've got to do is figure out how to lead it in the (laughs) South. Uh, But there's no question about it. We're playing at a high level that when it's all said and done, we're eighth total, tenth in scoring and number one in the fourth quarter. So it's there. I'm with Joe, though. You You can't rest defensively. You have to play at that emotional level. Now, what we got this Sunday now, we haven't always gotten it all year long, and we have struggled sometimes early in games. But you you said this, Matt, at the conclusion. I think the biggest critical thing is our big players really played big. Joe's exactly right. Gilmore was tremendous. Not only did he save the game at the end, but he stuffed Sutton, which essentially takes away 
the um, basically takes away the Denver pass mm-hmm. offense. And I thought that um, also Gus did a really good job, Gus and Ron Miles, and they matched him to Sutton. He actually played a true match corner this week, and that was good tactically. Buckner, Buckner and, uh, and Gilmore played like the all pros they are. Buckner dominated the inside sacks. That's the Buckner we've been waiting for. So those two guys were really at a really high level, and they got to play that way every week. And then, of course, I thought we got good play, of course, out of Grover. And in Gawkway, we got specialized play. And then things that I think are really good, men, is I, I just think Franklin is balling it. I think he's the most physical linebacker we've had here in a long time. What can we say about the Thomas kid stepping in at free safety? We can talk about him later. Mm-hmm. And then I was really happy to see Rodgers. I think Rodgers really gives us another playmaker. But, the, you know, the biggest thing is, again, all those specialized situations plus an early start, you know, the third down we talked about, two for 12, and the key fourth down stop, red zone, the most important thing in football, 0 for 4, and then holding them to points. Again, two great defensive performance against the AFC South. And, again, now we have to take it, you know, obviously we'll talk about Jacksonville as we go on in the week, but obviously that's the challenge coming up. Hey, the Colts Audio Network includes podcasts, radio shows, including this one, and player interviews, and it's all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you download your podcasts. You can also listen on the SiriusXM mobile app by searching Colts. Listen to exclusive Colts audio and radio content on demand. Stay up to date on the Colts and do that on your schedule. Those are the progress reports, those conferences after the many buy for the Colts with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Well done, guys. Appreciate you following along and playing along, hyping that up here on the show. When we come back, we'll take some of your Twitter questions. Hashtag Colts Roundtable on the mailbag. We'll take the best ones when we come back here on the other side. We'll do that coming up next. You're listening to Colts Roundtable live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, we're back. Colts Roundtable Live. Thanks for sticking with us. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights have stuck around. Tonight's show is also brought to you by EverStream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber, and better business. Time now for the mailbag. Tweet in your questions using hashtag Colts Roundtable tonight and every Monday night during the regular season. We're with you every Monday from 6 to 7. Uh, let's go to Xander. He's up first for you, Rick. He's asking, Rick, is Rodney Thomas our guy going forward at safety over Nick Cross? Well, you know, they're really two different total positions and total guys. Both of them are really superior athletes. Everybody knows what Cross did at the Combine. I don't think people realize what a great athlete Thomas is, and he's got a background at corner safety, linebacker, terrific instincts, and football intelligence. Um, I think that basically Thomas may be the surprise player in the NFL stepping in for Blackman. And what he's really done a great job of, he's mistake-free. He's playing that center field position for Gus Bradley. Not only is he always in the right spot, he's made some critical plays, interceptions, pass breakups, you know, really kind of game-changing plays. So, you know, we're off and running with him. He's right in the right spot right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem that Cross has, Cross is a terrific athlete, but 
if you compare the two positions in the Gus Bradley system, the free safety this free safety is more learnable quicker because it's a center fielder basically. There's some nuance involved, but it's center field. The strong safety, believe it or not, not typical of most teams is really the complex position because Gus will insert the strong safety different spots, outside weak, outside strong, inside strong, um, outside weak, and then inside weak. So there's a lot of learning there. He's involved in the double coverage defenses on third down. And I think what's happened across is as a real young player, I think he's a little bit overwhelmed. You know, you get, Mm -hmm. we used to call it in teaching, paralysis by analysis. I know he's going to be really fine. He's just a terrific athlete, but I, I think he's a low, little overwhelmed where Thomas actually uh, steps right into a position that he is just perfect at. All right, Rick Venturi right there in the mailbag. Joe Wright is along as well. Let's go back to the mailbag. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable to submit your thoughts and questions every week here. Uh, Joe, Mitch is asking, uh, what is our best offensive line lineup and how discouraging is this considering we had an entire training camp to figure this out with everybody healthy? Joe, what did you see from uh, the shakeup that the Colts made along the offensive line on Thursday? How did that uh, transpire, in your opinion, having played the position? Yeah, good question, Mitch. I would say, one, it is discouraging because I think the O-line you thought was going to be a strength, and it's really been a weakness through five games. Now, to me, I thought Ryman did an okay job. Again, it's a hard environment against a really good team. That's just a tough, tough deal to go in. But I, I would stick with Ryman at left tackle. I think a couple of the holding penalties, he just has to understand while it's good to finish blocks, you got to be a little bit smarter with your hands because what might be a hold versus what the ref sees is completely different. And he'll learn that with time. But I would roll with Ryman at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard, Kelly at center, Fries or Pryor at right guard. And to coach's point in the show, I'd keep Braden Smith at right tackle. I mean, you're paying him a lot of money to be out there and protect on the edge. And when I look at our offensive line, our protection, you know, the middle three guys are responsible for the depth of the pocket, meaning they got to keep their guys near the line of scrimmage so the quarterback's got room to step up. The tackles are responsible for the width of the pocket. Keep the edge rushers wide or run them around so that he's got time in there in the pocket. But unfortunately, our Our tackles are getting beat inside. They're getting beat on quick moves, games, and so there's no width of the pocket. And then our inside guys aren't keeping guys at the line of scrimmage. We're getting beat. We're getting put on edges, and that includes everybody, Nelson, Kelly, you know, and then obviously, you know, Pinter, Fries, who's been at right guard. So bottom line, we got to get our protection cleaned up. And I think we have a lot of man protections where, you know, you have four down and you got the Mike or you got the Will linebacker. And a lot of times teams are going up, they're getting five on five, five one-on-ones. Now, you're getting paid a lot of money. You've got to be able to block guys. But I think schematically we can do some different things. We can turn protection, meaning you turn four or five linemen, like an old-school fire protection. Then you have the running back or the tight end block somebody. You can move the pocket, you know, maybe some more play action, some hard run fakes and some, you know, pull Quentin Nelson around there and fake the power three steps and run the ball, but do some different things where we can stay to be aggressive in protection, if that makes sense, first just dropping back in a typical five-step drop. Because when you do that and the defense knows that, that's just a hard day at the offense. So, again, it comes down to a lot of things. Quarterback, play call, but at the end of the day, the offensive line, we just got to do better collectively as a unit. And to me, the more you move guys around, that's worse. Let's get our five guys. I would have Ryman in there and grow with him and learn with him. Let's get our five guys established for the rest of the season and let's roll from here. 
All right, well done, uh, Joe Wright's right there. One final one, Rick. We got to go quick. We're kind of up against it in terms of timing here, but I do want to get in one more uh, mailbag question. This is from Paul. He's asking: Is Alec Pierce proving to be our best wide receiver uh, because of his big body and his large catch radius? Well, I think he's going to be our most dangerous guy and our playmaker. I really love Pittman. There's no question about it. But I've always said that he's a possession number two, scheme dependent. As 50-50 a guy we think he is, we really never get that production in the 50-50 stuff. But he plays his role exceptionally well. What Pierce brings in here, because the speed is legitimate and it's football speed, he can climb the defense, he can get on top of it, he can go. And so he's going to threaten that outside of the numbers one-on-one. He's going to become very difficult to play one-on-one. And then you've already seen his body control, his ability to make that 50-50 catch, and even what we saw Sunday is a little bit of run after the catch. So, you know, I think he's headed to be that guy because I think he can win the one-on-one matchup on the outside of the field. All right, Colts Roundtable Live brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC South standings after five games. The Colts got some help, but then Tennessee didn't help the Colts. We'll talk about that when we come back and also preview week six against the Jaguars. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Back for the final time. Just a handful of seconds left here on Colts Roundtable Live. Brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Also get your forecast first on CBS4 and get weather updates anytime with the CBS4 Indie app. You can customize it so you only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS4 Indy in the App Store or in Google Play. So heading into week six, the AFC South, it's completely up for grabs. The Titans are three and two. They beat the Commanders on Sunday. They have a bye. The Colts are two, two and one. Jaguars two and three. They lost to the Texans on Sunday. So second place in the AFC South up for grabs on Sunday when the Jaguars take on the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's now time for the closing arguments from Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Joe, I'll give you the floor first. Your final thoughts on Colts Broncos and a look ahead to the challenge in week six. Payback in store from the Colts when it comes to uh, taking on the Jaguars at home. I'm all in on next week. You got an extra three days to recover. You got a bonus day today on Monday to get some work in. But bottom line, January 9th of this year, 26 to 11, September 18th, 24 to nothing. I'm putting those two stats on the screen. I'm walking out of the meeting room and I'm saying, fellas, let's get to work. Yep, I'm doing the same thing. You just didn't get loose to these guys. You got dominated. Yep. 50, to, 50 to 11 in two games, that sign's going to be everywhere. And, and subtitles are this. Basically, a passer rating this quarterback, 111-121. We gained 94 yards rushing and 54 yards rushing. Time of possession, 33-19, 38-15 Jacksonville. Can you let that happen again? Absolutely not, and I'm and I'm leaving it at that. There you go. That, I like the mic drop by both of you right there with the motivation Boom. going into this game. And I think you're exactly right. This is – listen, I know the math says it's not a must-win game, but emotionally, uh, mentally, spiritually, 
You know what this means for the division. This is a got-to-get type of game. Well done, gentlemen. I appreciate your time tonight. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. We got a jet, but I want to thank all who joined the show tonight with their questions and comments. Also, a big thanks to Frank Reich for joining the show, as he always does in segment one. We're loaded up on the Colts all week long. Colts daily updates Tuesday through Thursday here on The Fan. The Colts official podcast, that'll drop on Tuesday. Inside football with Rick, that's back this week. The blueprints to beat the Jaguars, that'll drop on Wednesday. Check those out. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network. That's wherever you download your podcasts on your phone, on your tablet, wherever we got you covered. Coming up next, it's ESPN Radio, and we will talk to you next week, next Monday at 6 o'clock for another installment of Colts Roundtable Live. For Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening. You're on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night. Good night.